Welcome back to African Defence Review for 2016. I'm Richard Stupart, and we're starting the year on a strong note by talking to South African General Derek Mgwebi, who will shortly be taking over command of the UN's largest peacekeeping operation, MONUSCO, in the DRC. First of all, thank you very much for making the time. I really appreciate uh, your time today. So uh, one of the first questions I wanted to ask was, it was announced about a week ago that you would be taking over command of the the MONUSCO mission in the DRC. Can you just maybe talk a little bit about how the handover process for that is, is going to work? So you'll be taking over from General De Santos Cruz. And what, what's involved in the days ahead from, from your end? Well, uh, the correspondence uh, coming from New York uh, is that uh, they're looking at uh, me reporting to New York for briefing somewhere in the week of the 1890. And then uh, after that, then I'll be moving to the uh, mission uh, area, which happens to be DRC. In my understanding by now, uh, the general who was uh, commanding the forces of the UN then uh, has already left for his own country. I suppose, therefore, the GBT who is there, also the major general from France might be the one then who is there, after the briefing in New York, would they could bring me on board uh, in the mission area of what has happened. And have you been in, in contact yet with any of the other components of the mission? So, for example, the civilian representative, I think his name is uh, Mr. Maman Sambo, or any of the the other people there at the moment, or is this all going to happen round about the 18th? Uh, no, not this day. So I'll do my own things back home, do my own and over takeover in terms of what I'm doing. And then whoever then will be taking over from me, then from there I'll prepare for the move to New York. So I won't be contacting the mission area until the headquarters in New York at least has briefly. Shortly before you were nominated for this position, you had just come back from heading up an observer mission in Burundi. Can you maybe tell, tell us a little bit about what was that experience like? What, what do you think are important lessons that you'd learned from that that you, you think might be useful for your time in the DRC? Well, uh, the first of all, the exposure and being part of the international community and working with uh, multinational forces uh, is quite a challenge. Uh, and of course, the mandate itself and the host country becomes, uh, and the attitude of the host country towards the UN and the relationship uh, becomes very critical in terms of, of making the mission a success. Uh, so therefore, in the light of that, one will have to work very closely, very closely with the authorities of the DRC and also make sure that the UN uh, multinational forces on the ground also understand them and also we all understand the reason of why we are there. And uh, working with the civilian community of the UN and also of the local uh, area becomes critical. So those are the things which one will be taking across. And what are your views on the best way maybe to take forward Monasco's relationship, as, as you've said, both with the DRC government and with, with many local communities? From time to time, Monasco has, for example, had fairly fraught relationships with, with both of those parties. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on how best to manage those relationships, uh, do you think, in the years ahead? Well, I think uh, coordination and collaboration with them. The first thing is which one we need to understand uh, from each other. It's opposed to a military perspective. Uh, military should at least be uh, able to say if they must take over whatever the UN forces are doing on the ground, to what extent are they ready? Now that speaks to them being operational ready 
and also I suppose in my view there are challenge on the logistic side in terms of putting up the logistical system in place and also to deal with the families of their soldiers. So if they are going to be taking over then they must understand what does that mean and together then we must at least agree about some kind of benchmark of what is it that we, we are saying that they are ready and how then do we measure that level of readiness. Looking at the at the situation on the ground, then uh, in relation to the level of uh, insecurity. And do you see, with certainly with relation to to insecurity and, and general peacekeeping in the region, as of I think it was about two years ago, the the FIB now got its uh, more aggressive mandate. Do you see Monasco continuing with with some of the kind of more aggressive uh, peace enforcement type work that Monasco is doing or do you um, is your vision for Monasco more kind of stepping back and letting for example the the DRC government take the lead in in operations the the, the challenge if one with uh, some of the armed groupings there uh, which are foreign and then uh, taking what has happened about uh, three four weeks ago where they had the audacity to attack the UN forces uh, in their own bases, and also they attacked uh, the civilian in the town and killed people using machetes. So somewhere, somewhere along the line, that that uh, it is um, mandate uh, of being offensive is still required, in my view, from what I'm reading. And therefore, until such time that at least we suppress those kind of uh, attitudes and thinking that they can, on their own, attack the government forces and attack the UN forces at the same time and kill civilians and the raid hospital went down. I think something needs to be done there using that it is uh, offensive mandate. And are there, in, in your view, particular armed groups that stand out above others as being a significant security threats at the moment? Well, uh, the security, as far as the locals are concerned, the level of uh, insecurity is high. And uh, then uh, working with the UN and, of course, working with the uh, government armed forces, we need to assess. I'm speaking now from a distance. So we need to assess uh, and then be able to say what are the levels of insecurity and what causes those levels of security and which areas are covered and which areas at least uh, are not necessarily covered. And then do you feel as so within terms of the, the equipment and capabilities that the Monasco mission has, do you think that there are certain areas that could be improved upon or certain areas in terms of, say, logistics, uh, weapon systems, that kind of thing that um, there might be a need to improve on? I know with, with the M23 rebellion, there was a lot of talk about how well the all-weather Royfalk helicopters had performed. And that was felt perhaps in some quarters that it was a capability that, that had been missing for a while. I mean, are there, are there particular capabilities that you would like to see the mission gain, certain types of equipment or ways of operating? Well, uh, although I'm not well versed with uh, what the other um, contingents on the ground have at their disposal, but uh, taking into account the, it is, uh, the helicopter systems which are there, including the transport, uh, medium transport helicopters and our combat attack helicopters. I would say talking to the rebels and the, I think that that's enough. But on the ground, in terms of the ground forces, um, well, I think uh, even people are using 12.7, uh, I think that's enough. Then your challenge then is just to deal with the 
when they turn the anti-aircraft anti guns into a ground route for their rebels, so they are not governed by any uh, international law of armed conflict, then that means there is a question of tactics there and application of reports. So I, I don't think there's any additional thing which needs to be added, except to look at the early warning systems which we have on the ground and the information gathering system so that it is with that information we're able to do what needs to be done in terms of the planning. And one of the events that, that may be taking place under your command potentially would be the national elections in the DRC. Um, and this was an area, I believe, that you were involved in, certainly with the South African Air Force's airlifting of um, election materials and other things um, after the last elections. Do you, do you see that as, as being something that, that might be occurring on your watch? And do you think that Monusco would have a role to play during an election period that would be different? Yeah, the 2011 elections, uh, by chance, uh, by chance, I, my country happened to have placed me there to assist because it so happened that the the voting material was being produced in South Africa. So tons and tons of that uh, voting material has to be at least uh, transported from South Africa to DRC. And then they requested government. Then because of what I'm doing presently, then I was asked at least to do that. So with that experience, then one has got at least uh, an idea in terms of the extent of the size of the area, the country itself, and the absence of the infrastructure, especially the road infrastructure, and therefore the need of the air assets to do the distribution of that. So I was involved in that in 2011, and uh, it was almost uh, four weeks before the election. Now being there on the ground, and of course, as I indicated, that cooperation and collaboration with the government becomes critical. Then if government is committed in terms of conducting elections this year, then uh, it begins to speak in terms of the early planning for that. I suppose from their side, as government, they've done their own planning, but that they need to bring on board uh, whatever assistance and support they might be requiring from uh, the UN, then we'll take it from there. And what was your experience from, from that period with working with the government? Uh, what were the most important factors in having a smooth relationship between uh, from your end and, and the DRC government's end? Well, I got to know the government officials. I got to know in terms of the military, in terms of the independent electoral commission, and the administrators who were in charge of the various uh, logistical bases where these things were being taught uh, and where they're being distributed from. So uh, during that period, one would venture to say there is a fair amount of understanding of administration and what needs to be done. And uh, at least, uh, well, I was probably carrying the flag of South Africa, so it was a bilateral uh, relation, so that was smooth. Now, but luckily, the assets, most assets we use, uh, it was not only South Africa, but to, to distribute the ballot boxes and ballot papers internally, we're using the UN assets. So there were UN officials also who were participating in that planning. So I would rather to say the... It was a good experience. I just uh, trust that will be repeating that experience. Do you feel at all um, that your your background as a South African commander might place you in a, a better or, or different position in sort of diplomacy and, and working with the DRC government than might be the case if you were not from the continent? Well, most of the commanders there, um, are at least uh, my colleagues, the, the DRC is part of the South African development community. 
So in terms of the multinational crisis and in terms of bilateral arrangement, uh, we are working together. So we know each other. So I would then, uh, in the light of that, say I'm going to be meeting the people I know already by name and we'll work on a number of uh, projects together. Have you have you heard anything from the, the DRC side in response to your announcement? Excitement, welcoming, that kind of thing? Uh, not directly uh, uh, with me, but hearing from some of our people who are there already on the ground, who are at least, uh, uh, talking to them like our defense attache, it seems it's positive and it seems they are looking forward to it. And then in the days from when you take command, what do you? Th- what will be your foremost short-term priorities? What are the things that you think will be the most important tasks on your agenda when you finally arrive in, in the DRC? Well, the most important thing is to just to understand the different um, arm groupings which are there and whatever program they might have and their method of operation. And of course, the areas where they are and the difficulties or the challenge we're finding as the UN to engage them. That would be the most. Then the second part is the level of readiness and the understanding of the armed forces of the uh, DRC and their own approach to the whole issue of working with uh, MONUSCO. And one of the burning issues uh, is uh, this uh, armed grouping uh, which is coming from uh, Rwanda, which, which has got has been there for 19, from 1994. They are still there, and Rwanda feel very strongly about it. Then I need to understand uh, probably what is the approach then of the DRC government towards that one, uh, because from the international community and from the UN perspective, also it is one of the armed groupings which we need to deal with. And in terms of the forces that you will be in command of, how do you see the Force Intervention Brigade complementing or fitting into sort of Monasco's broader forces? How do you how do you see them working together optimally? My understanding, they are all at least under one mandate. But the what is going to be critical then is to understand from the coordinate commanders and their own. Uh, understanding of the mandate and interpretation of the mandate and their level of readiness to engage. But I see the what they call the framework brigade uh, more on the protection of the local civilians, protection of the UN assets and the UN civilians. And then if that's the case, then we need then to look at making sure that the civilians especially the local ones and internal displaced people are protected. But then the intervention force brigade, mainly it was brought in to deal with the armed groupings. But when you deal with the armed groupings, the fallout of that might probably be experienced in terms of civilians uh, being injured and being threatened. And then how then do we use the framework brigade to make sure that they are secure and it's also there's a little bit of and then one thing I, I finally wanted to ask is, there a message that you would, would like to send to people who are watching the DRC, uh, perhaps people in the DRC who are um, looking ahead, something that, that you'd like to let them know for, for you, what will characterize your time? Well, the problems of Africa, for me, as a military man, are not militars. They are political. Then the sense of the 
the DRC should at least share the issues of democracy and also the issues of a good government, the issues of a rule of law, because it is only those aspects which then would at least uh, reduce the level of tension and reduce the competition which is there. If we can only deal that and reduce the issues of uh, division and uh, support the politicians so that they can chart the one program going forward. I'll say those who are watching the DRC situation should be supporting and uh, at least uh, advocating for those aspects of good government. Thank you very much, General. Is there anything else that, that you'd like to add? Well, uh, it's just to say to the international community, especially the, um, the people of uh, Europe, Europe, through the European Union, thanks for their support in terms of not only DRC, but in terms of the Afghan uh, Peace and Stability Program, because without them, we would not be where we are. The challenge is a big one. We appreciate their support. We trust that they will take us along. We'll go together as one family.